Get it a geek. We're talking movies, TV, books, comics, anything to get to geek whistle wet, boys. Is that how we describe it? We are now. That's what we're going to be doing. So that's made the uh, that's made you guys uncomfortable. <laughs> and we're back live. Get in the geek. Hi, welcome. My name is Mitch. Joining me the full get in the movies crew. We got uh, high pitch Matty. Oh, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He doesn't want to be here tonight. We'll get to why a little bit later. Pokemon. <laughs> I'm on Pokemon Go. Oh, f- Bulbasaur. Oh, yes. On. No one cares. Brendan. Hello. And Reese. Well done. Nice, nice, nice. Well, hi there. Pretty good. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. We are here as part of our partnership with Event Cinemas in the house, cult film classics, season to kickstart 2017, where we're in uh, week four now. It's the first of two gangster mob movies that we got coming up. Obviously, the, uh, the the crown jewel, The Godfather Part Two, is coming up in about five, six weeks' time. Tonight, though, we're talking The Untouchables. We've just come from the screening, and we're here to break it all down, boys. Now, uh, welcome, Brennan and Reese. First time talking about an in-the-house film, and it's The Untouchables, boys. So uh, we, we've, well, we've been out of the house for about a month. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to say what a great setup we had there at Event Cinemas Maya Center. Just great people. Fantastic people. We do love them. Thank you for Shit. having us Is on Lutzy board. Here? And... Was that? <laughs> <laughs> got it, well, you know, we got us on and uh yeah, thank you very much for having us on board. We're trying to review each of the movies uh every fortnight. That's what we're here to do. So uh we're gonna have them up as a bit of a selling point uh towards the next film and uh and also to review the film, whether it's your first time and you want to uh, learn more about the film, hopefully we can help you out. Maybe not Maddie tonight because he's not interested, uh and again we'll get to why. And also we're gonna talk <laughs> about we whether he's <laughs> lame. We're gonna talk about whether the film stands at the test of time, maybe its impact on cinema, its genre at the time, and uh, let's just get into it, boys. The Untouchables. Me, this is my first time experiencing the movie this week, actually, in the lead-up to the screening. Uh, was it the same for you guys? Are you guys long-time watchers of this movie? No, nah, first time seeing it. I, To be honest with you, I, I'd i never heard of the movie. I don't know really? why. Yes, I, yeah. I mean, I've heard of all the other all the other gangster movies, the Goodfellas and all that, but yeah, never heard of it, but yeah, watched it uh, first time, like, like you, Mitch, the first time this week. Loved it. No, I've, that's... That's not my first time I saw this. I think in 2005, I went through a great renaissance of, uh, yeah. of gangster films. And I just remember getting out Godfather 1, 2, and 3, uh, The Goodfellas, The Untouchables, and then which eventually got me into uh, The Sopranos as well, which is, I think, for me, The Sopranos is up there with the best. It's probably my mm. favorite TV series that's not science fiction. Yeah, Just right. put it that way. <laughs> but no, it was great. It was great to come back to this. And how good was that opening theme? This, the the opening credits theme? Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. my God. We're all texting each other, getting ready for to come in tonight and review the film. And that was the first thing that you said was, we need to play this yeah. music, which we've got playing underneath now. This is the opening theme. And that was the first thing that stood out for me too. And I'll just get out the guy's name because I wanted to try and at least pronounce it correctly. Ennio, Ennio Morricone, I want to say is his name. That's completely yeah, wrong, but sure. it's roughly it's that. Just, and now this guy... It is that, but you've got an Australian accent, that's so it right. doesn't sound like that. <laughs> now, it stood out for me because I remembered then, I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's the guy that's been working with Tarantino the last couple of years. And he is. He's done right. Django Unchained, uh, Inglorious Bastards, and he won the Oscar for Best Original Score for The Hateful Eight last year. Oh, this guy, wow. the guy's like 1920... I think he's 89 this year, or 88 or something. It might even be his first Oscar as well. I know he's, I think he was nominated a slew of times, but you're right. You're watching this film and you're like, God, this score is incredible. And it's just over opening credits. And um, I want to talk more about the score later because it, it was interesting music throughout the film. But yeah, yeah like what a way to, to set the, the tone, especially us, you and I, Reese, watching this movie 
29 years after it came out and to really set the tone of this film made in 1987. And for me, it felt like it actually was made in the 70s. It had a 70s sort of feel, mm. tone, the way that it was edited, those sort of slow fades between scenes. And of course, it was set in the 30s. So it was this really wonderful, if somewhat inconsistent for me, mix of uh, of styles and, 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 and decades. I think uh, I'm, I want to touch on this later, but the bridge scene, which was a strange uh, scene in itself because it seemed to be a little bit humorous in some parts, which didn't make sense. But mm. the score reminded me um, of the 1989 Batman for some reason. I'm just wondering if... Um, the bridge scene, is that when... Um, when they're the Sean... Canadians. Oh, uh, right, horse. yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant when Sean Connery came in for the first time, he's standing on the bridge. That was a cool oh, introduction. Yeah, that was awesome. I didn't even yeah. pick that that was going to be him when I saw this cop walking in from the distance. And then when you see Elliot Ness, you know, chuck a bit of rubbish into the river and, and I'm like, oh, that cop's going to yell at him. And then all of a sudden it's Sean Connery. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. If anyone's going to sort you out, you want yeah. it to be Sean Connery. Careful, and mate. That's no James one's Bond. Me- <laughs> no one's messing with this. Stop point. littering. <laughs> I'm Irish. <laughs> Are you, though? You off <laughs> so is this um, based on a true story or true events? True events. I, don't think, I, I know that the character, obviously the characters... Yeah, well, Al Capone's obviously an, a real cal- character, a real person. I think Elliot Ness is the man that was that, that ended up getting him. Mm. I think the accountant guy actually isn't a real character, or a real person, rather. It's a character made Sh- for yeah, the Yeah, surely, because he's been an accountant for 30 years, and all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden he's bloody top shot with yeah. a shotgun yeah, <laughs> does he it. own the cars yeah, yeah. Like, it's not even he's taking a pot shot at a group of people and happened to hit one like he was taking a full-on vehicle yeah. and then ran out of bullets and just fully charged him like hey, i want him doing my books but i have to say Maverick. like one like yeah that the first bridge scene with sean connery i was like wow this okay this is a good movie and you just kind of sit back in your chair and relax and you're gonna soak it all up for the however long it is 200,000 minutes <laughs> yeah. roughly it's a long but they're all like that all the, good, yeah. all the good gangster movies are like that mm. they're all good three hours almost which is great because that's the way I feel when you when you have a good score and some good characters and you just I just don't I never want it to end mm. feels feels good I did look into this movie after I watched it recently I, I saw that uh, it is yeah more so based on true events rather than a story and, and the the point that I read was that Al Capone actually had a no violence order on his men when dealing with the untouchables because he he thought as tough as and big as he was, he didn't know that he could deal with the full force of one their group, but also the entire police force and how mm. they would be obligated, regardless of how many people he had on his books, they would be obligated to go after this guy if he was killing cops yeah. that were so obviously going after him and so publicly. So they're definitely Hollywoodized it where you had yeah. Robert De Niro, who, fantastic. Like, when you get Robert De Niro playing a side character, oh. yeah. as big as a character... I think he only had, like, felt like five minutes of screen time. Yeah. But they're talking about him all the time, so yep. he, he has a presence there. And he comes out just richer than life. Yes. How good is De Niro? Oh, yeah. like how Especially when he's coming he's down good. the stairs and... That confrontation. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. just like, oh man, the door Hold right here, the <laughs> yeah. door right here. But even that first scene when you introduce to him, he's he's getting the shave, and I, oh, I don't yeah. even think it was the uh, the the the, uh, the bloke's fault cutting him. But he did slice his face, and just the look that he gave him, and I'm like, oh man, you're gonna get skinned alive in front of your kids. <laughs> yeah. It was just a small, small look, but it's like that's De Niro, man. Like yeah. at that stage, he'd done the Godfather Part Two. He'd already done that sort of stuff, yeah. you know. Like you don't have to worry about him. He nails these sort of characters. He, you know, can do this in his sleep. But yeah, you're right. Like 
it's it's a wonder they did manage to get him to play this. I mean, it's Al Capone. You say you don't want to, you want to play Al Capone? He probably said yes. I'd play him in one scene, let alone four or five that he ended up doing. But yeah. it was very much about the Untouchables and less about Al Capone. And yeah. if you do know the story about uh, Al Capone and how they got him through tax, hardly enough, before you watch this film, like I did but didn't know how the film was going to play that out. And then they, they bring in the tax thing. They bring in the, 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 the accountant character mm. very early. And I'm like, oh shit, is this going to be a lot about numbers and books and stuff <laughs> yeah, and yeah. less about gunplay? Which it kind of was to a point. And then you get to that bridge scene and then you get to the bit where the accountant unfortunately meets his end in the lift. And then the movie takes on a completely new tone in a way. It gets a lot more violent, a lot more gangster yeah. movie that, we, that we're used to, I think. That's yeah. what I was yeah. surprised about because it, like the violence, like the... The on-screen violence when um, Al Capone smashed that guy's head in with the baseball bat. I was not expecting that. Yeah, that's and that's <laughs> one of the great like, scenes of that. Cinema. Literally made me sit back and go, "Whoa!" Yeah, this like is... I was not expecting it from a movie <laughs> yeah. that was shot back then. It was awesome, <laughs> so good. I think speaking of that, films that were shot back then. I swear to God, that's the first child that I've seen get slain in that. Oh my way. God! Yes. Oh. That was at the, the start, and maybe the only one since like that. Like yeah. that's that's like that was, a rule of cinema: you don't yeah, kill hectic. kids. Yeah, like fair enough. Like, I thought you know if she was in the scene that that was in that uh, was it a, 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 a milk diner, bar yeah. or yeah. whatever it was. If she was in the, but she was actually carrying it. the bomb. It, yeah. it just blew up. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, this is, welcome to oh, this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you're asleep, wake up because yeah. this is going to get real. And you run the risk of uh, in any movie, but um, of introducing a character so new that dies again she died within 30 seconds of showing up and you don't have that emotional feel I guess she's a child but still we didn't get to spend any time with we her didn't but care I care re- about her but at the same time I actually did it there because yeah. she comes up she's like I'm here for my mom it's like oh how's she? she got a call she'll yeah. be alright I I'm think like, I was oh, on you're... Facebook too while that scene was happening <laughs> you're like... so I literally didn't care <laughs> well, I actually, the, the music's kind of picking up what's going to happen. What's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> Whoop, dead kid. Yeah. And then you introduce. I yeah. didn't care the first time I saw it because this is before I had kids. Yeah, Not yeah, that yeah. it matters too much, but I'm like, oh, how come I didn't remember that? But it, I was like, oh my God. And then the, the, when the mother comes to see Elliot Ness mm. in the police station, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. That was a real actual kid that mm. died. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I like that moment because. Um, because he failed in that in that first um, raid, and you could see that he's sort of like, oh, what am I doing this for? Everyone's against me. And then yeah. that was the moment where he's sort of like, yeah, you know what? I don't care if the world's against me because this girl's mother needs retribution yeah. uh, for you know her, for her daughter's life. So I really liked that moment uh, when she came in and, and sort of gave him reason. And then at that point, that's when that guy kind of threatens his family after they do the bribe scene. Mm. He's like, oh, you guys are untouchable. Is that the idea? And then... At the end, yeah, when he's about to walk in, he threatens his family. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it yeah. now. Like, kill yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could feel it inside. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you just started something you cannot finish. And there's something in me that loves those type of scenes. And I guess characters too. And Elliot Ness, like, the, the, the movie's actually somewhat based on a book that Elliot Ness wrote. And so while this movie has been Hollywoodized, I wonder how much they've really stuck to who Elliot Ness was uh, according to this book. And if he's wrote it himself, I wonder whether he was as, you know, all do-gooder as mm. what he as what he's portrayed in this film. Because really, I'm watching this and I'm like, this is kind of like 
a Captain America type character just wearing, you know, a trench coat rather than a suit because mm. he only ever does good stuff. Except at the end where he finally gives in and he pushes that guy off yeah. as, a, as yeah. a, a slight act of revenge that he really only decided to at the last minute. He never gives into temptation, never, and he almost he's given this money, but eh, there's more of that where they came from. Yeah. And then he goes and opens the door and gets all these mates back, and he goes, "This asshole just tried to bribe me." <laughs> yeah. Throws back in Capone's face, goes, "Tell him we can't be bought." No, oh, we're the Untouchables. Now yeah. we're really going to go after him. And I'm like, "Yeah, stick it to him." Why didn't he arrest him? Well, there's that too. That's, yeah, that's he just what, tried to bribe a city first, official. You yeah, know, that yeah. was my first thought. It was like, if you really want, you know. What I would have done is is brought everyone else back in and say, this guy tried to bribe me, kick him out, keep the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, it's almost a bit like... I'm going to put gum. this into evidence. <laughs> That's where this is going. Where you liken it to 89's Batman. That might have been the first guy that... Well, second guy that Batman attacked, but the first guy that he let go in that opening scene yeah. where he picks up that guy. I'm not going to kill you. I want you to tell your mates about me. So yeah. he could have arrested that guy because I want you to take this money back to Capone. Yeah. And say, here, here's yeah. the money. He didn't even arrest me. He just wants you to know that he thinks you're a bit of a dick and he's coming after yeah. you. Chop a finger off or two. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Go show him that. So where do you think it fits, Brendan? I mean, you, like you said, just over 10 years ago, you went through a massive gangster movie phase. Where does this sit when you go and talk about your Godfather Part 2s, your Goodfellas, like the absolute pinnacle of the genre? Where yeah. do you think Untouchables falls, you know, 29 years after well, it was think, made? I think this film kind of redefined the genre in a way. I suppose, for me, Goodfellas and Godfather Part 2 are the ultimate. And this is pretty close. Like I've seen, you, you, you think about... Carlito's Way, which has Al, Capone, Al, Al Pacino. Mm. And, um, you know, they're good movies, but they're not at this level. And with the length, and I think with the characters, especially, I don't think we've spoken about Sean Connery enough in this, because for me, Connery owned this movie. Yeah, yeah. If he wasn't in it, I don't, even with De Niro there, with De Niro's great performance, I honestly don't think this movie would have been as good. He owned every scene more than I think De Niro did. Mm. And, he, and he had, you know, the likes of Kevin Costner and Andy Garcia as well. I think it's way up there, especially because of that that one-shot track scene where where Sean Connery um, dies. Basically, it shows out the front of the house. Mm. It goes in. It's all one shot. Mm. goes through the window. And then all of a sudden, he's behind the guy, follows him, turns around with the shotgun. And then as he comes out of the back door, he gets slain mm. by the assassin and that scene stuck out for me that's i'm like coming back and watching this again i'm like oh there's something about sean connery walking out i couldn't remember exactly what it was but at that moment uh, i just remember being shocked the first time mm. and yeah that sticks out for me for some reason but yeah it's definitely up there this movie for me yeah it really brought control to the movie, I thought. Yeah, you're like, and, I want to follow that guy. To the yeah. Untouchables. Yeah, and it made me feel it. When he took control of the situations, you know, when they were waiting at the bridge scene uh, in that little cabin and everyone's nervous and he's like, hey, just calm down. You know, it made me calm down when I was yeah. watching it. I'm like, it's all right. Sean Connery's got control of this. <laughs> yeah. Everything will be okay. Bond's here. <laughs> just, just relax. <laughs> But yeah, it's great. As you said, great role and, and yeah, definitely owned the movie. We speak of Andy Garcia, he, he, you know, I think they all played a different part of the team so, so well. And so you really, and they were also four very, very different people, but somehow you understood why these guys were the untouchables yeah. and why they were going to be such a menace to someone like Al Capone, who you get told in that first scene holds such a grip on the city that really everyone loves him because he's giving them what they want, even though it's illegal. And then, 
a great payoff at the end of, of that very first scene when you see Elliot Ness, he gets signed up to the uh, to the police force. He's got his whole team out the front and they say, sir, do you drink? And he's like, you know, whether I do or I don't, you know, that's not part of it. it it's it's legal. Yeah. And that's what we're here to enforce. And then right at the end, you know, they've just put away Al Capone and he, his mission is successful. He's going back to his family, a new baby, and the annoying reporter who I really wanted to die the whole film or the <laughs> photographer comes up and Jimmy says, from the Daily Mr. Planner. Ness, Mr. Ness, Mr. Ness, you hear that uh, Prohibition's going to get called off. What are you going to do? He goes, I'll probably have a drink. He's like, I'm not against alcohol, yeah. but it was against the law. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an I'm officer of the criminals. law. I'm a, I'm a by the book kind of guy unless I'm on the roof with the criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and some blokes just, they just need killing. <laughs> they just come with me. What about a one-liner? Where's the old mate? Oh, he's in the car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> threw him off the roof, <laughs> and like I expected him to bounce. I didn't expect him to actually take yeah, the whole roof I with know, him yeah. too. So there was yeah. a lot more like moments of violence. The film, the film wasn't a violent film. It just had momentary scenes where it's mm. like, oh shit! Yeah, like I'll remember that. You really killed yeah. him there. Like you didn't, yeah. he didn't just yeah. die. He really got yeah. killed. Is he dead? Yes. There's blood rushing <laughs> from his face. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, Brian De Palma directed this. He obviously went on to, uh, a couple of years later, he started the Mission Impossible franchise, which is the, like the only film of that franchise that's really unique. But he's, he's got very much his own flavor. And I, I haven't seen a lot of the old gangster films that, that you have, Brennan, so I don't know how it really... Oh, Scarface, that's one of his as well, of course. That's oh, of co- yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. That's up there as well. Yeah, for me, I don't know. It, 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 it didn't really hit me as much as it obviously hit you. And I, I don't really know what it was It. I think while I loved the score at the start and then moments throughout the first uh, half of the film, definitely, then there were, I think, moments during that sort of horse chase where oh, the Canadians sort of screw everything. That was a bit and, ridiculous. Yeah, like the, they, I think the like music they, they used there, there yeah. was just a few sort of tonal it was changes. And, and you're like, is this the postman yeah. we're watching here or is this, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't understand. And then all of a sudden there was a joke when he's drinking the... The accountant drank the liquor. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. I'm going, what are they doing? Yeah. It was really uplifting the way they were kind of yeah. running through, and then and then the next scene is oh I just killed him the guy on the floor, yep. and then Connery picks him oh, up, yeah. and blows his head off again <laughs> to scare the other guy. That was fantastic. That was and what a, and what great dialogue too. I think I had to write this down because this was so great. <laughs> After that, he kind of picked him up and he goes, "You're mucking with a G here, pal." I'm like, did he actually say that? <laughs> I put on the subtitles and it wasn't on. The subtitles. Oh, really? It was just the next line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not f***ing with you, Mr. Hardass. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I don't think we can overstate how important Sean Connery was. I think those moments oh, yeah. where the film so actually good. got weak for me, it was either weak dialogue or even Kevin Costner. Like, it wasn't one of his... It wasn't his first film by any means, but it was still very early on in... Oh, yeah, he was he was pretty unknown. I think they were, ha- I think they were having problems casting this and... I don't think he wanted to do it when they mentioned it because The Untouchables used to be a TV show too, mm. early in the seventies or whatever. And um, Kevin Costner was like, "Nah, I don't see that this is really going to be any good." I think originally they wanted Mel Gibson to play Elliot Ness, yeah, right. which would have been interesting, but he couldn't do it f- uh, because of scheduling. But I think um, Kevin Costner's agent kind of talked him into it after going, "Come on, man, we got Connery. Mm. They got." You know, De Niro. De Niro. Yeah. Come on. You can do Waterworld later, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, that'll go fine. You know that that's a guarantee. Okay, you know that's gonna work. Okay? Do that's take the, the risk. Gotta... Take the risk, Kevin. You gotta do the little things before you can move on to the big yeah. things, man. Oh man. <laughs> 
That guy's fired now, obviously. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> New agent. But yeah, that would have been interesting, actually, going back to the Al Pacino thing, but playing. Imagine him playing Al Capone. That would have been different. Mm. Not that he was ever up for it, but. There's a new movie coming out. Uh, what is it called? Not Fonzo. It's something like that. The, directed by uh, Josh Trank, which Matty will probably roll his eyes with when we bring it up. But Fan Forstick was that guy's last film before he did Chronicle, which was excellent. Fan Forstick sort of, I think, ruined him as far as, you know, he's in director's jail. Maybe not necessarily his fault. That movie <laughs> was just awful, though. And finally, he's coming back with a smaller film, and it's about Al Capone. And Tom, uh, Tom Hardy is going to play Al Capone. Oh, yeah. Um, which he sort of made for those gangster type roles yeah. ones where he just gets to be mean to people because <laughs> he looks like a guy that you don't want to mess with so it's it's good to see that like you know we're nearly a hundred years on from this story and mm. this is still like, like you say Al Capone people know who you're talking about mm. oh yeah Prohibition 1920s Chicago that's mm. what you think of yeah and it's so funny to think about in this day and age like they're like, oh, banning alcohol like, I know. Yeah. Uh, I can what? see why that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, people are going to drink, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're going to find it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, The Simpsons in their little rip-off of the Untouchables <laughs> episode, you know, that proved to me very early yeah. as a kid. It's like, okay, that that doesn't work. And I'm going to lie to you, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> Exit. Stage left. Isn't De Niro and Al Capone, oh, Al Capone, Al Pacino making a movie too? Another one? Because those two... That's when I was trying to find the genre when I was mm. going through that. It was always those two were the headlines. And you're like, when are these two going to come together? Yep. And they came together in Heat, I think. Yep. Um, obviously, they were, in, they were together in um, Godfather Part 2, but De Niro was playing a, a young, the young Godfather, so obviously he's not going to be in the same scene mm. as Pacino. But in Heat, they, had, they were in the same movie, but only had one scene. Epic scene, but... Oh. Yeah, and then I'm, but you never actually saw them that much in one shot. Yeah. I'm going, come on, guys. You've got to do something. Great. Well, they made Righteous Kill about 10 years ago. I think they were aging cops looking into a, a cold oh, case murder right. or something. I fell asleep. That was shit. Yeah, I've, I've never watched it. <laughs> it sounds like something The Rock would do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, they are coming back together for a movie uh, by Scorsese. And by golly, I can't think of the name of it right now. The Irishman. The Irishman. Oh, oh thanks. good. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Input. <laughs> the only guy that's not going to watch it. <laughs> Must be no the Pokemon. Irish. So you got Scorsese, he's watching Bugsy on his phone. That's what he's doing. <laughs> and they've been trying and trying and trying to get Joe Pesci to come along too, but he has said no to them. But it's, it's I think just... he's doing Home Alone three. <laughs> <laughs> A role I would also like to see him return to, and Macaulay Culkin just, <laughs> just make it really, really weird. The next Home Alone, the next generation. Yeah. Macaulay it's Culkin's just... the homeless guy, isn't it? It's just Macaulay Culkin living in Joe Pesci's basement. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'd get your fingers, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but you wish you were home alone now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, these guys are finally going to come back together and it's going to be about two uh, I, I, periods of, of the character's life. So they're actually going to incorporate that whole Benjamin Button technology to you know make them look more youthful, uh, Robert De Niro right. and Al Pacino. So mm. we'll get to see them hopefully in the entire movie together and they're going to be playing young and, uh, and right. current day versions of themselves oh, as well. Oh, Bobby. It looked great. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so uh, The Untouchables, I think it's good that the, as far as the two gangster movies that we've got in the program this year or this season, 
it's good to see, I guess, the untouchables come first because then you save in Godfather. It's like, you know, save the best for last. And that's coming up in, like I said, about, I think, three or four films down the line. So it might be uh, six or eight weeks. But hit up eventcinemas.com.au to uh, to find out where the nearest location uh, is that's playing these films. They're on every fortnight, as I said. If you are a Cinebuzz member, which is free to join, you actually get a couple of bucks off your ticket. So it pays for itself as soon as you sign up. So uh, by all means, do it. Uh, our next film coming up is Fight Club. Um I probably should touch in with you, Matty, just in this film before we go to Fight Club because you're not looking forward to Fight Club either. But just give us your brief summary of Why are you in Get Into Movies? This is what <laughs> I want to ask. If you hate every movie. No, I, I, don't, I don't hate them. They're just not my genre. Yeah. They're just not. To They're me, not Star Trek. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's one of the things. It's, um, you're missing out, man. If you, if you say mobster movie or western, I'm out. I'm just, oh I'm just God. out. That's why I think that scene in the middle of the film Ooh. where they're yeah. actually well, riding when horses. When they're riding horses about... on the way to Canada, I was just... <laughs> no, I, that the... was ridiculous. Was, that was, was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Um, so it's, but it's like, Canada I doesn't can't... have cars, man. <laughs> 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 hey, what about... Cars, eh? What about um, Cowboys and Aliens? Have you seen that? Oh, I had... Where, um, that's oh, like split right down the my, middle of the genres. My best friend of 15 years, she, uh, she got a new boyfriend. And he recommended hiring out Cowboys and Aliens, and we sat on the couch and watched it. I'm no longer friends with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought you were going to say she broke up with him. I'm yeah. not going to say the two things are related, you know, but yeah. that's what it is. Well, you know what? They're that... buried under your living room floor. <laughs> <laughs> that actually justifies me. Every time we drive into the studio here to talk about a movie, I'm like, this might be my last time seeing Maddie because I could just say something I like a movie that he doesn't like, and that, uh, that could be the end. You know, every time I say the two words Christopher Nolan, I'm like, this could be it. This could be our friendship right here. It's on the line. No, it's like it's just it's it's not my genre. It's like you know, like I could sit here and pull them apart, but there's no point because they're iconic films. It's like I, I don't yeah. like this. I don't like The Godfather, but it's not my genre. So. I don't feel like I, I need to sit here and tear it apart because it is a classic. No, because like if you're listening wrong. to it, they're just going to be like, "Shut that guy up!" Like, yeah, like it's and that's the thing. Anyone, like it, anyone who's going to listen to this is obviously a fan of these films, and yeah. it's I, f- I feel rude by sitting here and tearing it apart because it's 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 not a movie that's meant for me. So mm-hmm. it's you know they are without. I I enjoy the fact that you know. I've I've known the phrase the Chicago way for like twenty years because I've mm. used it from other things spoofing this film. So it's good to be able to see the original, you know, the where it's come from. But they just they're not my kind of films. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I love about the program is it's really like you look so far ahead. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The next film was The Fly. Mm. Couldn't get two films more the different. Flying Gattaca. Then to Gattaca. Then to Stand by Me. And now into The Untouchables. Like mm. it's such a wonderful mix. Next week, Fight Club. Then E. T. Flash Gordon and Robocop are after that. Like it's it's such a, a vast, broad film base that they've got there. And and these are all voted by the fans too. Anyone that comes mm. along, you can actually put in your vote what you want to see in the next program, which is so fantastic. But you know, that's why I actually wanted you to speak up. I didn't want to throw you under the bus because I knew that you didn't necessarily like it because you don't like the genre. But for me too, like this for me, this is my least favourite of the films that have been on show so far. I like the movie, mm. but I love the other ones in comparison. You know, even watching The Fly for the first time, Stand By Me, it was my first time as well, but I I had an instant sort of attraction to them more so than this film. I'll go back again to this film, but, you know, I'm not going to lie about that. Well, technically I've seen it three times because it took me three goes to actually make it all the way to the end. (laughs) Um, But that's what I love about this program is that this is a movie that I would never have seen, never had any interest in um, before. But it's like, well, I've gone and I've seen it. I can say now that I've seen it. Yeah, it's not my favourite film, but I can appreciate why it is such a cult classic film. I can I can yeah. understand why people love this. And imagine seeing it in 1987. Yeah. yeah. That would have been like, wow. The well, baseball bat scene, the kids scene, mm. like so many different 
Well, when That's I was watching I mean, it, I was like, the genre I, I'm, I'm like, what, when, when was this made? Kevin Costner, when was this? Like 94, 95? Yeah. And I looked it up and I was like 87. And I was mm. like, holy crap, oh, this yeah. looks good for 87. Mm, yeah. yeah. And that was a good thing about it. Like we introduced the movie tonight at the screening and, and I always go in there and I like to, because a lot of people still come to these films. Like it's, it's 29 years old, this film. People still showing up to watch it at the cinemas. Like this is something mm. that a lot of the people in this audience are obviously going to have watched. Mm. And if you're coming to watch it and pay money to see it on the cinema 29 years on, you've probably got it on DVD at home. You want to experience it on the big screen. But I did ask, who's hit here for the first time? I reckon a third of the crowd put their hand up. But I, And then I said, who is here that saw it in the cinemas back in 87? I reckon a quarter of the people put their hand up. Right. Yeah, right. So such a wonderful mix. And some people that had seen it 30, oh, 29 years ago, um, were sitting by themselves. Other people were part of a massive group that mm. also had newcomers. Yeah, so there were like millennials up the back and then we had that one little old lady who must have been in her 60s or 70s with her husband sitting there yelling out trivia about Sean Connery. So yeah. it's like this film has such a broad reach. Mm. You know, you got to respect that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, by all means, hit up eventcinemas.com.au. Check out the program. As we said, next one, Fight Club. I think you're going to want to get your tickets. From what I've heard from the guys at Event Cinemas, they might have to put in some more screenings for this because uh, tickets are going very well. But uh, save yourself the trouble. Book now. It's on in two weeks' time. Fight Club. And uh, that's going to be another big one we're going to have to come in and talk about. So yeah, I think... well, no, we can't talk about it. Well, we can't. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So Maddie's the only one that's actually going to pay attention to the first rule because he probably won't want to talk about it. But hit us back. We are getting into Geek. Uh, hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as I said, uh, at the top of the show and uh, at the uh, cinema tonight if you were a part of our screening. All our podcasts, SoundCloud, and iTunes if you want to drop us a line, give us some feedback, uh, give us your own review of the film, by all means, uh, get into geek at gmail.com and we will be back to talk about Fight Club in two weeks. Get into geek.com.